Shalom, this is Abigail Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today we continue the story of Yosef in Egypt. Last class we have seen the development in Yosef's career and as second to command in Egypt and his development in Yosef's family. Yosef married. Yosef has two children, Ephraim and Menashe. We also pointed out the significance of the names of his two sons, Ephraim and Menashe. Whereas Menashe, there's a clear attempt to forget. The name Menashe comes from the word Nashani. It is to forget. Yosef desires to forget his father's household. And by the time he has his second child, the father's name is not even mentioned and referred to in the second ch child, which indicates that he has forgotten the second name Ephraim reflects his desire to begin a new life, to begin a new family in the land of Egypt, disconnected from his family in Canaan. Today, we continue the story of Yosef. Just so we have a little bit of a time frame, Parashat Miketz had begun when Yosef is 30 years old. As I said, Yosef is 30 years old when he stood in front of Paro. However, by our chapter that we're beginning today, Yosef is at least 37, probably closer to 39. Between last class and today's class, seven years have passed. The seven years of plenty, and we're at the beginning of the years of famine. So Yosef, at this point, is at least 37, and as as I said, probably closer to 39. The chapter begins by sh sending us back to Canaan and what's going on in the household of, of Yaakov. So for we're, temporarily, we're going to be leaving ya Yosef in the palace, and we shift back to Canaan. Chapter 42, verse 1. Vayar Yaakov ki Yaakov levanav lama titra'u. And Yaakov had seen that there are provisions in the land of Egypt, and Yaakov had told his sons, Why should you be seen? Behold, I have heard that there, there is food in Egypt. Go down there and buy for us food so that we should live and not die. The first word of Today's unit is Vayar. Vayar Yaakov and Yaakov had seen. It's very interesting, that word, because that word is a word that it repeats itself several times in the stories of Yosef in Egypt. When Yosef speaks to the baker and the butler, Vayar saw haofim kito patar. And the baker had seen that he had that he, Yosef, had interpreted the dream correctly. And then we're told in Paro's dream, I haven't seen any cows as bad as these. And then later on, And in my dreams I have seen. And then Yosef will tell Paro, That which God plans on doing, he had shown Paro. And he will tell, and Yosef, in his, when he advises Paro, he will tell him, Paro should seek Paro should see a man who is wise. Then Paro will tell Yosef, Behold, see. And here in our verse we have this verb that appears twice. Vayar Yaakov, Lama Tito, and Yaakov saw, and he tells his sons, Why should you be seen? What is the significance of the numerous repetition of the verb to see? I believe the, this word Vayar is a way of saying that the events are taking place on two different realms. There's the realm of human beings and how people interpret the events. They interpret it, the dreamer, the baker is dreaming because that's what Baker's dream of, and Paro is dreaming of whatever, of, of the Nile, because that's what Paro dreams of, and people see that which meet, which they, 
which means the I. But using that vaya that ties all the stories together is a way of saying all of these stories are linked to one another. And we can't just look at the surface. There's a great deal that's happening here beyond the surface. Behind the scenes is a great deal. And that clearly is going to be Ha'adam yireh la'enaim ve'hashem yireh la'levav. Man sees that, which meets the eye, and there's God who is pulling the strings here and sees and is running the events here on a different realm. Yaakov tells his sons, he sees that there is there are provisions in the land of Egypt. I, I assume he sees merchants coming back from the land of Egypt. With uh, He sees his neighbors coming back from Egypt with sacks of food. And he tells his sons, Lama Why are you seen here? You should be in Egypt too. Sforno suggests, why are you just staring at each other? Why don't you just, just, just go? What we see here, and I think, and I find this the most interesting aspect of this verse, is that the brothers demonstrate some level of passivity, perhaps as a result of the story of Yosef, which is expressed that they can't even take the initiative to go down to Egypt to bring food. Yaakov continues, go down to Egypt, I have heard there's provisions, and bring for us food, lest, lest we die. Verse 3. Yosef's ten brothers go down to Egypt, and Binyamin, the brother of Yosef, Yaakov, did not send with his brothers, for he feared lest some something tragic happen. Now, the Milam and the repeating word in these verses, is the brothers, Ache Yosef, Echav, brothers, 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 appears three times in these two verses, and it's going to appear several more times in the in the following verses. This is a story that's all about, not only a story about brothers, only here, what the word that's going to appear is, not brothers, Ache Yosef, because that's what's significant here, is the fact that, not the fact that they're brothers, but they are Yosef's brothers. And with all that he- that heavy-loaded phrase, the brothers of Yosef, the brothers of Yosef, who do not know Yosef is still alive, are going to be coming down to Egypt. And this whole story has to be understood with the background that these are the brothers of Yosef. Now, Yaakov does not send Binyamin with his brothers. The reason Yaakov does not send Binyamin is hinted in the way, in the description of Binyamin. That Binyamin, achi Yosef, lo shalach Yaakov et echav. Binyamin, the brother of Yosef, he did not send with his brothers. So the reason Yaakov does not send Binyamin is because Binyamin is the brother of Yosef. Binyamin achi Yosef. Had Binyamin not been the brother of Yosef, perhaps he would have sent him. Since the disappearance of of Yosef, all Yaakov has left from Rachel is Binyamin. All Yaakov has left from Yosef is his brother, Binyamin, and therefore he doesn't send Binyamin with his sons. But when we read these verses, it's very difficult so not to raise a possibility that deep down, and this is a question that's going to be in our, the background of our minds throughout this entire unit, that deep down somewhere Yaakov, Yaakov suspects that his sons had something to do with the disappearance of Yosef. Of Yosef. That Yaakov suspects his sons had something to do with the death of Yosef. He knows that they did not love him. He knows that they were jealous of him. Since Yosef is no longer there, and Yaakov loves Binyamin as a ben Kunim, he is afraid maybe they will be jealous of him too, and therefore he doesn't want to send him. Now, how come Yaakov does not reveal this suspicion? Because 
that would just make things worse in the family. And we will prove later on that this is not a far-fetched idea. So Yaakov does not send Benjamin, and it is just the ten of them. Verse 5. The sons of Yaakov come to Egypt, amongst all the others who are coming to the land of Egypt. For there is a famine in the land. That that part of the Pasuk is, expl is explained to us how come people are coming from all over the land to Egypt. Many different Canaanites are, families are coming to Egypt for food because there is a there's a famine. Why do we have this? Why are we told that Yaakov's sons had come amongst the others? Because that's going to make that's why it's going to make this whole story where ya Yosef is about to accuse them very strange. Why were they singled out? And there are many. There's several other families that are coming out coming down to Egypt. They just come in betochabaim, and yet they were singled out. That's going to add to the bizarreness of the story that's about to happen. Verse 6. Yosef is the ruler of the land. He is the provider to all. And Yosef's brothers came to him and they had bowed down to him. This pasuk, Yosef is the ruler of the land, and he is the provider. I want to explain this verse in two different ways. According to the approach, it's going to say that everything he's about to do was was planned with the intention of meeting up his brothers. Is that Yosef, even though he is the ruler of the land, nonetheless, he puts himself in a point that he will provide to all so that he will have an opportunity to meet up with his brothers because he knows that the family is going to come down and he wants to be able to meet with them. That is if we follow the assumption that Yosef is, uh, planning, is, is planning out a master plan for his brothers to come to Egypt and bow down to bring his dreams to fruition, as we had seen in the Ramban last week's class. However, according to an, an alternative way of reading the story, which is the one that we uh, I've chosen to adopt here, and that is Yosef actually has forgotten about the brothers. Yosef has absolutely no intention of meeting up with his brothers. And what the verse is telling us, Yosef is the lead ruler of the land. He is the provider to everyone and not that he sells to everyone whenever there's a family from outside of Egypt they have to come through Yosef just to get permission to buy, to buy and Yosef decides what to sell to them what what should be sold to them what type of grain should be sold and what amount and this is not part of a plan of Yosef Yosef as the what the pasuk is telling us as Yosef's position as the leader of the Egypt anyone from a foreign country has to go through Yosef everyone that comes from a foreign land has to come to him and get a permission slip to purchase in the land of Egypt but this is not intentional. As opposed to the first interpretation that we had suggested, where we're told that even though Yosef is the lead of land, nonetheless, he wants to make sure to sell to everyone so that he can, so that he will have the opportunity to meet up with his brothers. So those are two interpretations. Verse 7. Yosef sees his brothers. He recognizes them. And he, and he estranges himself, and he speaks to them harshly, and he says, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan, 
to buy food. What does it mean that he, that he estranged himself? There are three ways of explaining estranged himself. Ramban says estranged himself means that he disguises himself. He pu pulls the turban uh, more around. To, he covers himself with his turban so that he won't be recognized. He Another way of explaining Beit Naker, he disguises himself by yelling at them. So sometimes when a person yells, he has a different, the voice changes, and they won't be able to identify him by his voice. And thirdly, he estranged himself by accusing them. In other words, estranged means, as opposed to being a brother to them, he is being as a, as a, as a stranger to them. And so those are three interpretations. What does it mean? And he estranged himself. And he speaks to them harshly. Now, of course, the question that we're going to ask, uh, what is the purpose of all of this? But we will uh, address that shortly. Verse 8, And Yosef had recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize them. And if you notice, this verse appeared um, in verse 7. Very similar words. Yosef saw his brothers and recognized him. And here, the following verse, this is repeated. Yosef recognized his brothers, and they did not recognize him. What is the purpose of repeating, and Yosef had recognized his brothers? So what Ibn Ezra explains here, that at first he, he sees they're his brothers. But after talking to them, then he can identify each and every one of his brothers. So at first he saw his brothers, and he recognized them. And then it says, and he recognized his brothers. So he recognized each and every individual. That's one possibility. Another possibility of reading it is that first he he thinks they're his brothers, but some it, it happens to us many times that we see someone that we haven't seen in a long time and we're not sure. We think we know who they are, but we just want to establish that familiarity. And we talk to them a little bit, and then we're convinced we know who they are. That's what happens here. He sees them. He's sure he knows who they, he thinks he, he first sees them. He thinks he knows who they are. He talks to them. He says, where are you from? He says, from Canaan. At that point, he's convinced that, that it's who he thinks he is. But yeah, Yosef at Tehav. But they did not recognize, Yosef had recognized his brothers. So the first one is the first recognition. But after talking to them, it is a definite recognition. Then that's the, that's why we have that repetition. And it, the verse 8 concludes that they did not recognize him. And that's very clear why they would not recognize him, because he would expect them. They do not expect him. The reason Yosef is more likely to recognize them than they are to recognize Yosef is, as far as they're concerned, Yosef is dead. So they wouldn't assume they, that, he that, he, that he's around. And, and they definitely would never have imagined their wildest dreams that Yosef would have become the second-in-command of Egypt from being sold to a slave to becoming a second command, that's something that uh, the wildest imagination, imagination can cook up. But Yosef does know that his, that his brothers are alive, and therefore he will recognize them, and he, he does not, and they don't recognize him. Verse 9. And Yosef had remembered his dreams that he had dreamt regarding them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to reveal the nakedness of the land. Now, there's several questions we have to ask about what's going on here. First of all, what is the connection between Yosef identifying his brothers to Yosef remembering his dreams? Secondly... Uh, why does Yosef accuse them of spies? Where's Yosef? Uh, what is Yosef trying to accomplish here? Uh, so I, I want to suggest three different possibilities to the first half of the verse. And Yosef had remembered his dreams. According to Rashi, he when he saw his, when his brothers came down to him, 
and they had just bowed down to him. He remembered his dreams, and he remembered that on, right now only one of the dreams has become has been fulfilled, whereas which is the dreams, which is the dream of the brothers bowing down to him. According to Rashi, when your brothers bow down to him, that's when Yosef remembers, oh, this is a fulfillment of my dream. They just bowed down to me. My dreams have been fulfilled. According to Ramban, no, it's the opposite. As soon as the brothers bow down to him, Yosef realizes that the dreams have not been fulfilled, that neither of the dreams had been fulfilled. Not the first one, because in the first one, all the brothers bowing down, bow down, and Benjamin is missing. And not the second one, in the second, the second dream, where the father, where his father is supposed to bow down to him. And therefore, Yosef, upon seeing his brothers come down, he says, I have to try to figure out a way for my dreams to be fulfilled. And that's why he's going to... Uh, come out with this whole plan, Ramban explains, of accusing them of spies so that they will be forced to bring down Binyamin in order to bring to fulfillment the first dream. What happens with the second dream we'll discuss later on. Finally, the third possibility at a more shot level, when he see Yosef has been trying to forget. We started today's class discussing the name Menashe. Yosef has not been thinking about these dreams. Yosef has been doing everything he can to forget about his family. And though he tries to forget, suddenly they appear in his face. He can't forget. And when he sees them, what's the first thing he remembers? He remembers the dreams. He remembers how he, they mocked him for the dreams. He remembered how they threw him into the pit because of, this, of his dreams. When the brothers say, behold, here is the dreamer, he remembers that. And now he's going to teach them a lesson. What exactly does he want to teach them? That we'll have to figure out as the story unfolds itself. Vayizkor Yosef Tachalamot, and Yosef had remembered his dreams, clearly indicates there was an attempt to forget, to just start a new life, and the brother's appearance disturbs that desire of Yosef. And he accuses them of spies. So he says, you are spies, you've come to reveal the secrets of the land. And verse, let's continue, verse 10. It says, no, our master, we've come here for food, to buy food. Verse 11. We are all sons of one man. We are honest people. We are not spies. Had we been spies, a father wouldn't have sent his 11 children, and all eggs in one basket. So the fact that we are all kulanu b'nei ishechad proves that we're not spies. To which Yosef responds in verse 10, No, rather you have come to reveal the secrets of the land. And of course we have that word liroot again to see. And they reply in verse 13. They said, we are actually 12 brothers, the son of one man in the land of Canaan, and the youngest one is with our father, and the other one is missing, a neno. Now, when they say a neno, they, they don't mean has gone missing. I believe he they mean he is dead. How do I know that he a neno means dead? Because later on, in when the brothers come back to Yaakov, and they tell Yaakov, we need to bring down Binyamin. Finally, Yaakov is going to agree. He'll say, 
Yosef Eineno. Now, when he says Yosef is Eineno, he doesn't mean Yosef is missing, because from, from the perspective of Yaakov, Yosef is not missing. Yosef is dead. So when they say Eineno, it, it means dead. So one is dead, one is with our father, and we are ten brothers. So how are they trying to prove their innocence? In verse 13, when the brothers, they don't really exempt, exempt themselves from the accusation. How do they prove their innocence? I believe the response here is not a direct response to Yosef. I think this is the beginning of the recognition that what's happening here is connected to the fact that they were once 12 and one is gone. It's a, it's, it's a subconscious speaking. It's the guilty conscious that brings it up when they feel guilty. And whenever the brothers are feeling guilty, they will bring up the story of Yosef. And here this guilt comes up. We used to be 12. Or possibly, it says that if you this the, our story can be verified because uh, our you can ask you can ask about our family and if you just want to find the exact details about our family we actually were twelve and now we're now we're ten and now we're ten here and one is with our father and one is missing and that's a story that you can verify verify with uh, with our neighbors maybe to which Yosef responds in verse fourteen. Yosef replies to their, they had argued in their innocence that we are actually 12 and one is missing and one's with her father. And Yosef responds that, ah, you proved my point. That you indeed are spies. Now, how does their argument that they were 12 and one is at home and one is missing prove, actually prove Yosef's accusation? That Yosef will tell them, So one possibility is, look, you keep on changing your story. One who doesn't have a clear narrative keeps on changing his changing his story. First you said you're 10. Now you're saying you're 12. One is missing. What's all, what's all this going on here? That's one possibility. The other possibility says, ah, which one did you leave at home? The young one, the one you didn't trust, the one you were afraid might spill the beans. You left home. And therefore, verse 15, this is how your innocence will come to test. is an oath, taking oath in the life of Pharaoh. By the life of Pharaoh, will you get out of this? This can be out of this situation or out of Egypt. The only way you can get out of this situation or out of Egypt is by bringing your youngest brother Send one of you, and he will take your brother. Meanwhile, you will be arrested, and it will be revealed whether or not you're, you were speaking the truth. And if not, by the, by the life of Parot, you indeed are, are spies. So th this is what we're going to refer to as plan A. Plan A is one is going to be go back, one is going to be sent back and bring Binyamin while everyone else is going, are going, is going to be under arrest. So plan A is nine are going to be arrested and one is going to go back. And this plan actually makes a lot of sense because if he only leaves one and sends back nine, nine might not come back for one, but one will definitely come back for the sake of nine. Verse 18. Now, 
Um, he takes them in for, into custody for three days. On the third day, Yosef tells them, this is what you should do and, and live as I am a God-fearing person. If indeed you are honest, keep, one, of your, one of you will be arrested and the rest of you will go bring food and you will bring your brother. Now, so this, now we have plan B. What, ha what is going on between plan A and plan B? Plan A is, we said one will go up and the nine of you will stay. And then on the third day, he changes the plan. And he says, you know what? Since et Elohim aniyare, since I am a God-fearing person, I will change the plan. And I will only arrest one and allow nine of you. What does this have to do with uh, fearing God? Yirat Elohim in Tanakh means one who has basic morality. Uh, that's what it says about the, the midwives. And the midwives had the fear of God. So Yirat Elohim is a basic morality. Yosef knows that if the, he sends back only one and leaves nine, one cannot possibly bring enough food for the large families in Canaan. Though he definitely will come back, but he might he won't be able to bring the food for the hungry family. Th therefore, he changes the plan, and he tells them, you know what? I will leave only one. Leaving one doesn't make a lot of sense, because nine might not come back for one, as indeed happens. Nine do not come back for one. The only reason they come back later on for the one that was left in Egypt was... They were hungry. Yosef says, I am a moral person, and therefore I'm going to arrest one of you, and nine of you will, I will allow nine of you to go back. And this morality is reflected in the end of verse 19. You will go back in order to bring food to your family. If that's the case, and Yosef changes his mind, why did we have, why do we have plan A in the first place? Yosef wants to know that he is serious and that he really does have the ability to throw anyone he desires into prison. He wants all the brothers to sit in prison, to sit and to fear him. And they will have that fear instilled in them. He wants them to, he wants to be taken seriously here. Verse 20. So he says, nine of you will go back, and when you go back, and you'll bring your younger brother with you so that your words will be verified, and you won't die, clearly insinuating that if you don't, you may die. And so they did. Verse 21. They tell one another, we are, but we are guilty. We are, we, but we are all to blame for what, what we have done to our brother. We had seen him in trouble and we had seen him uh, beg for his life and we did not listen. That's why this is happening. All of this is happening to us. That's why I can buy Lenu Hatsara Hazot. I want us to go back to verse 20. Yosef tells them, you will go, one, I will arrest one of you, and you'll go back home and bring food, and you will come back with your younger brother, and there, and I will, we will verify, and that way I will be, verify your words, and you won't die. And so they did. So they did seems to indicate that they took their food home, and they went back. And nonetheless, verse 21 tells us otherwise. Verse 21, they're still having a conversation in prison. So what's the relationship between the end of verse 20 and the beginning of verse 21 where they're having a conversation in prison about uh, their guilt and, uh, and their blame? The way we have to understand this, what Yosef tells them to do in verse 19, 
one of you is going to stay arrested and the rest of you will go home. Vayasuchen is a discussion as far as who is going to be arrested. And that discussion begins in verse 21. They tell one another, The brothers say, how are we going to choose? We are all guilty. We all were in this together. We all saw what happened to him. We all saw him begging for his life. And we all ignored his cries. And that's why this is all happening to us. To which Ruvain replies in verse 22. So Ruvain tells them, I told you, I told you so, I told you not to harm the child, and you did, and you ignored me, and now his blood is avenged. So what's happening here? Yosef tells him to, to choose one. The brothers, in their conversation, trying to choose who's going to have to stay in prison, say, we're all guilty. Now, if everyone is guilty, who should, who do they all look up naturally? At the oldest. To which Ruvain says, don't look at me. I'm not guilty. I'm the one that told you. Not to harm the child. I shouldn't be the one that's responsible here. I told you so. And so let's see who's going to be arrested. Verse 23. They were unaware that their entire internal conversation, trying to choose who's going to stay in prison, is understood by Yosef because there's an interpreter. Now, the interpreter is a reason that Yosef would understand, but clearly the interpreter does not trans does not interpret does not translate their inside conversations. The, the interpreter's job is only to translate conversations between them and Yosef. So since there's an interpreter in the room, they assume Yosef doesn't understand them. Yosef turns around and he cries and he returns to them and he takes Shimon and he arrests him in front of their eyes. Why does Yosef why does Yosef arrest Shimon? Well, if Ruvain's not to blame, second in line would be Shimon. And he arrests Shimon Le'enehem. Why does Yosef cry at this point? And we're going to see Yosef is going to be crying several times over the next two, three parashot. I think Yosef cries here because he remembers the cruelty of his brothers. Yosef cries here because he remembers himself in the pit crying for help. And perhaps Yosef cries here because he sees some degree of remorse by his brothers. Aval There's a very interesting Ramban on verse on the verse that describes the brothers' remorse when they say, "We are all guilty for hearing our brothers our brother cry out to us, and we did not listen." And Ramban brings two important points here. Number one, it's important to observe that the brothers recognize that ignoring the cry of a brother crying for his life is worse than selling him. They don't say we are guilty for selling him. They don't say we are to blame for throwing him into the pit. They say we are to blame for the cruelty of ignoring a cry of our own flesh and blood. Another observation the Ramban uh, brings up, he says, this is the first time that we find out that Yosef actually did cry in the pit. If you recall, in verse in chapter 37, when Yosef is thrown into the pit, we don't hear him crying. And Ramban says, this is where we know that Yosef did cry. Ramban will ask, how come we, we're not told earlier that Yosef cried, and the Torah only tells us here? So he brings several answers. One of them is that this is the this is the style of the Torah. Sometimes the Torah elaborates in one place and makes things and tells us things in a shorter version in other places. And we just have to 
uh, put together the the pieces. That's one answer. The other one is says, if the Torah would have described Yosef crying at the time of him being sold, that really brings out the cruelty of the brothers. Therefore, since at the end of the day, these brothers did do tshuva. The Torah is not going to hide it, but the Torah also will not reveal it in its context. Um, it will tell us in a different location when they show remorse. So what is it exactly that triggers the brothers to feel remorse for the selling of Yosef at this junction, at this point? It seems what, what triggers the brothers is the fact that they now are in the pit. We know the prison in Egypt is called the bull. Uh, when Yosef speaks to the butler, he tells the butler, I've done nothing. I'm, I'm innocent. And for no reason, I was thrown into the pit. The pit is is the prison. And when the brothers know, and when the brothers are all in the pit, they remember Yosef. And when the brothers know that they once again are going to have to come back home to their father and say, one of us is missing. One of us remained in Mitzrayim. One of us is missing. That reminds me of Yosef. When the brothers know that they're going to have to come and tell Yaakov that they have to take his beloved child away from him and bring him down to down to Egypt, that also reminds them of Yosef. So everything, the entire setting, everything about what's happening here throws them back to the story of Yosef that took place some 22 years ago. Verse 25. Yosef commands his people, his men, to return to fill up their sacks with with grain to return their money, each one their own money in his sack, and to give them food for the for the way. The purpose of giving them food for the way, Ramban tells us, is so that they don't won't have to eat from their food that they are bringing home. Ramban also adds it's his way of telling them that he is a a kind person and no harm would be caused to would be caused to them. What's the purpose of him returning the money? I think the purpose of referring the, returning the money is to um, is, is to spook them, is to frighten them. But I think there's also something else deeper that's going on here. It's a way of Yosef telling them, you won't be able to pay with money for what you have done. It's going to take a lot more than than silver to pay, to rectify the damage you have done. The money's going to come back to them. The money's going to bounce back. The money's constantly bouncing back to them. They can't just pay. They can't just pay off my money. They will have to figure out a way to make up for what they did. As we end this unit, tomorrow's unit is going to begin when they come back to the land of Canaan, and they will have to convince Yaakov to allow Benjamin to come back with them to Egypt in order to release Shimon. But we will continue with that. Please, God, next class. Shalom.